Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Oh my gosh, we are back. It's a new episode. And guess what? We have a new little picture avatar for those of you who are watching on YouTube. Yes, I am so grateful that we can do these little fun things to just add a little flavor. And it just makes me feel good. Now, listen, this avatar doesn't look exactly like me, but we're going to make it work today because I changed my hair up just a little bit today. Ah, with that said, we have a lot of uh, new things happening. Uh, today, we have a new-ish professional, mm-hmm, new-ish. This young lady got her start in late 2021, and she just wanted a way to mentally clear her mind and not think about medical school and what was next. And honestly, what better way to do that than to start triathlon training, right? Because triathlon allows you to focus on other things. It's a stress reliever, and it's just a really cool way to let off steam. Well, what do you know it? Just like I saw, she got hooked, but then realized, oh, that competitive streak in her came out. Got a year under her belt. And before you know it, at Clash Daytona, she exceeded probably all of her expectations and won the race and qualified for her pro card. What a year. Kaylee Slade had. Kaylee, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. How you doing? Hi, thank you for having me here. Oh, you're welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you. I should probably become a real person now. That's what I'll do. I'll become real. Bam, just like that. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) I love it. And I'm also kind of excited for those of you who've been watching. I haven't been able to blur my background because my computer is a little older. And so some update happened and it's like, magic. So I'm excited. I get to have a blurred background and we're ready to rock and roll. So Kaylee, you're also my Georgia homegirl. Like we're from the same state, a couple of what, maybe not even 90 miles away from each other. I grew up in Augusta. You grew up in Dublin, Georgia. So we're just such sweet peaches. I love it. I know. I didn't even realize that, but it's always, it's always nice to meet another (laughs) Georgian. It is. It is. So girlfriend, homegirl, mental break. You said you wanted to train. What was like, how did that come about? Because you don't just wake up and say, Hey, I'm going to go train for a triathlon. Just, you know, clear my mind. Was there someone who introduced you to the sport? Like, how did you really even say, hey, I want to try this as a way to decompress from medical school? Yeah, so I it actually started the summer right before I started. Um, I just kind of had a crazy idea of, I kind of want to do an Ironman. I, 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 honestly, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> so I um, decided like, okay, let's try this. Um, and that was actually the same year that the 2020 Olympics were happening. So me and my now fiance uh, were watching and we just saw the the triathlon and kind of was like, wow, these people are great at three sports and that's probably the hardest thing you can possibly do. 
So we kind of took that and was got a little bit competitive with ourselves and um, just started training a little bit. But then once school started, I was able to kind of at first, I wasn't sure if I could fit in training with the school. Um, I mean, it's pretty rigorous. There's a lot of exams, classes all the time. Um, so I kind of found a way to fit things in here and there. Um, at first, it was not very good. I mean, my first triathlon, I had not even biked 25 miles, which is about the distance for the Olympic uh, race. So, you know, it didn't work out very well at first. <laughs> Um, so it, was, it ended up being kind of just like a mastery, putting it all together um, and at, finding a way to be able to make it more competitive with it. So, yeah, I guess it was just a random thought. I mean, there was no real good reason besides that. You know, random thoughts are good, right? And then you're watching the Olympics and you go from the Olympic distance to Ironman. I mean, come on. That is completely n- normal. <laughs> or not to some people to some right and it doesn't matter because it's your thought and it's what you wanted to do and clearly you've gone out and you've done some of the distance now let me just ask this do you still want to do an Ironman eventually but I, I quickly realized that I didn't want to just complete an Ironman that I do want to be competitive at an Ironman And I think that those are two very different um, training mentalities. So right now I'm sticking to the 70.3 and just trying to master that distance first um, and then just kind of building my way up to eventually stepping up to the, the full distance. So that's kind of where I am now. Okay. So let's backtrack a bit. You mentioned your first race. And you said you hadn't biked 25 miles before your first race, which I'm assuming is an Olympic distance. Yes. How did you, let's just back this all the way up. How did you even select the Olympic distance? And what was your reasoning as to not start with a sprint versus an Olympic? Yeah. So that's actually a great question because I think it came down to my ignorance of the sport (laughs) because I had absolutely no idea just what I was stepping into for the Olympic distance. I kind of was like, oh, you know, I just watched these people race, you know, a 10K at like a 30, 10, like, uh, or race the Olympic distance at a, like a 30 minute 10K. And I was kind of like, they can do that. I, I can, I can race an Olympic distance. So I, I don't know. I just kind of jumped in, um, I guess there was also the piece of it was local enough that I could drive to it. Um, So I guess convenience of the race. Uh, That honestly was probably the biggest thing was just like it was close. And I just was like, yeah, I can do this. (laughs) Now, where was your first race? What was the name? Do you remember the name, the location? Yeah, it was um, Rock and Rollman and it's in Macon, Georgia actually. So it was just about a two hour drive from where I am now, which is not, you know, not bad. Okay. But now let's put this in context. You, your background, you ran cross country and track and field in college. So that's why running a 10 K in 30 minutes is doable and reasonable to you. Right. So let's, we're (laughs) going to put some perspective around this because I'm like 10 K 30 minutes. Good for you. Like I would love to do a you know, a 5k in 30 minutes. So <laughs> I think that's great. So perspective, um, 
How hard was the transition from just running to putting it all together? Because you come from this run background, right? And you're like, oh, this is easy enough. I can do it. But then you get in the race or you're training and you're like, oh, oh, maybe they make it look easier than what it seems. Yeah. Tell me about that perspective and um, for you. Oh, yeah. So I will put it out there. I cannot run <laughs> 30 minutes and gay. And in college, I was nowhere near where I am now. So it was definitely more that I was like, if they can go that fast, then I, I can do it at like a slow pace um, was kind of that mindset. But uh, yeah, I ran at uh, Emory University, which is a D3 college. I started out probably either last or within the last like bottom three on the team going in my freshman year. Um, I worked my way up, but I was never I was never like an all-American top runner. Um, just kind of did it to again have something else besides school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I hated running and wanted nothing to do with it. So I actually just started lifting weights mostly and kind of carried that forward for a few years and then COVID hit. So all the gyms closed down and I was kind of like, well, maybe I'll try this running thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of picked it back up, which I was keeping you know, I would run three miles here and there and maybe a long run every now and then. So I still had a base of running. Um, so I just picked it back up during COVID and pretty much only ran for a year for fun. I mean, there was no races going on at that time. So I was just doing it to kind of stay active, enjoy the outside weather, just kind of just for fun. Um, and then, and then the year 2021 came around and that's when I picked up the triathlon. Um, but yeah, your, your question was the, the, how did it translate? Um, I would say that it translates better than I thought. I think that I had a good aerobic base to be able to learn how to swim. Uh, I had absolutely no swim background, so it was jumping in a pool and pretending that I knew what I was doing (laughs) is the best way to describe my swimming strategy. Um, but I at least had the aerobic fitness that I could, I guess, like control drown is the best way to describe my swimming. (laughs) Um, and from there, I think the biking was learning how to, uh, be more aggressive. Um, is also, I guess, a good way to put it. I think running is more of a, a, you know, it's like a gazelle, like you're just kind of loping along, you get into a rhythm, but biking is a much more aggressive, raw power, pushing everything you got kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that actually probably translated the least was into the biking. Interesting. I find it very uh, intriguing that you called your learning how to swim experience control drowning. (laughs) (laughs) I need to break this down. Like, what did that look like for you? Because I mean, from a controlled drowning situation to a pro in a year, you, that was a nice controlled drown situation. Yeah, I guess. I'm still pretty bad at swimming. I was I was last out of the water at my first race, but I was 
the number one had the fastest run. So I put that those two together to like equal out. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's kind of what you can imagine. Like if you've never tried to actually perform a swim stroke and you, you, you've seen it on TV, you've seen people do it and you're like, okay, I just need to move my arms and kick my legs and breathe every now and then. So <laughs> that's kind of how I put it in my mind. And I eventually started watching videos because it obviously did not work out very well at first. Um, yeah. So I watched videos and listened to, honestly, I think it was podcasts and different just like swimmers and kind of their tips on different things, um, which it, it definitely helped. Um, I think I was swimming when I finally timed myself, I was around, or my first race, I think I was at like a 210 per hundred. Um, but that was with a lot of stopping and questioning why I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> but eventually I, I finished the swim and it was around a 210 and I brought it down to about, uh, about 140, which isn't where I want it to be, but you know, it's, it's time off. So I think that's, uh, I think you have some natural, just some real natural athleticism. Um, Cause 210 is not bad, you know, but from 210 to 140, that's good. And so just imagine with constant training, Haley, I just see powerhouse, <laughs> like for real. Oh that's, my gosh. I, I keep telling myself that's, that's what gets me into the pool every like five days. <laughs> You're not like swimming that much that you just go once every five days. Oh, no. I swim five days a week now. Oh, you swim five days. Okay. Yes. I misunderstood. Wow. Yes. Oh, before I swam in January of 2022, I swam twice in the whole month, the entire month I swam two times. So, and now uh, one year later, I, I think I swam more in a week than I did in like three months of last year. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. wow. Man, that this is exciting. It's exciting to hear this because it's so raw and it's real. And it's, it's like, we're, we get to follow you on your journey now. Like we get to follow you and like check back in with you and be like, Haley, so how you feeling? Like what's going <laughs> on? Because this is new. It's new for you. Just like it's new for, you know, a lot of people who are scared to swim but you taught yourself essentially how to swim. Did you, did you get any instruction anywhere? Get someone to check your stroke. Did you get a coach? Like what was it that helped to um, zone in so that you could put your, bring your time down from 210 to 140? Yeah, I, so I actually, I've not worked with a, a coach in person. Um, so I've never had someone analyze my stroke. Um but I have sent videos every now and then to the coach I'm working with uh, now. So he has given me some some tips from virtual, I guess, feedback. Uh, wow. But I haven't officially worked with someone, which is which is the next step. Like, I know I need to make that step and find someone that I click with and work with in person to kind of have the more one on one instruction. But to this point, I've I've not gotten to that point yet. <laughs> you are the quintessential uh, COVID triathlete. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely oh like growing it all together from nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, wow, this is cool. Virtual coach, you know, like that's such, wow. I, I, I'm really, it, this is all exciting to me. All right, let's go back. You learned how to swim. You realized that biking is about that raw, aggressive power. What was your biking experience like? Because you hadn't biked 25 miles before your race. So what mileage did you practice or how was your training on the bike? Yeah. So this was actually the time where getting a bike was very hard. Um, I'm not sure if there, I'm sure other athletes that are listening to this experienced in late 2021, it may have even been earlier than that. It was almost impossible to get a bike. Like the supply chain was just so backed up. It was just so hard to get one. Um, so I didn't start looking for a bike until August and my race was in October. So I had ne I never owned a bike in my life. I, you know, was trained as a kid, like from training wheels to taking it off. So I, I had ridden a bike before, but I had right. never trained on a bike and maybe never even ridden a road bike before. Um, so I didn't know how scary it was going to be to get on top of a bike until it, I got a bike. <laughs> um, so I, I started looking for one in August. I think I got one early September. Uh, and before that I was just going to the gym and sitting on a trainer and just biking there. And then when I finally got one, I fell twice on my first time out. Uh, I think it, I only biked for maybe 10 minutes because after the second fall, I was like, yep, I am not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so I called it quits, came back and decided, all right, we need some sort of stationary trainer because I need to learn how to bike again. Um, so got a stationary, uh, started biking on that. Uh, but I didn't really pick up any mileage until I would say three weeks before my race. Okay. Um, so I was very new to that as well. All right. So three weeks before the race, you had built up your confidence from the fall trainer, you know, rebuilding your confidence and you were able to go out. Now, should I ask, were you clipping in or were you just like, let me just flat pedal it out until I figure things out some more? Oh, I was clipping in. <laughs> I, wow. that, that's why I fell twice. I had no idea how hard it would be to clip in until I, I did, <laughs> but yeah, so I actually, from the very beginning used clip ins, um, which I don't know if I recommend it or don't recommend it, but I've kind of learned that it's better to, if something's hard to do and you've never done it before, you, you might as well start with the hard because it almost makes it the norm. So it becomes less like this hard step versus like, this is just how biking is. I love that. Start with the hard. Uh, wow. You just said, Hey, I'm going in full throttle with clips. You're brave. <laughs> this is probably also my experience of having no one else in the sport. So nobody was like, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so you had no friends. It's just you and your fiance just reading articles, listening to podcasts, figuring it out on your own. Oh yeah. Yeah. That wow. was, we had 
a lot of people now still have no idea what triathlon is. Like, we'll, we'll tell them like, yeah, we do triathlon. And they're like, oh, is that like Spartan racing? And we're like, no, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. First race you're in Macon. Where is there even to swim in Macon? Were you at a lake? Yes, we were at a lake. I cannot remember the name of it now, but it was actually a really beautiful course. Like, okay. It was a really, it was, yeah, I cannot remember the name. It's, it's got a very like, um, Native American name, but I cannot remember the name of it. Okay. So you swim open water swim. I'm sure, I'm sure this is your first time open water swimming. Yes, it was. Okay. Wetsuit legal. So it was also my first time trying a wetsuit line. <laughs> or I tried it on, but the first time ever swimming in a wetsuit. Lake Toposcofi? Yeah, I think that's actually Lake Toposcofi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so wetsuit legal, October. So it's cooler. Did you have a wetsuit? I did. I okay. before my first race, kind of again, I guess listening to podcasts and reading everything, I was actually fairly prepared. Um, I, you know, knew to have a wetsuit for cold swimming and, um, just like the different pieces of setting up transition and how to kind of just like make it through a race day. So I would say it was, I was fairly prepared, but nothing can compare to actually doing it. Um, but yeah, so I, I did have my wetsuit at least. Okay. So you knew how to put on your wetsuit, you knew, exactly what to do you get in the water what was it like for you at least what you knew what you weren't going to do is you didn't have to worry about control drowning because you were going to float so that's a good thing yeah the wetsuit was kind of magical um but even with that I kind of like my fiance and I always describe it as it feels like you're kind of going to the set of saving private Ryan like that's how it feels going out into an open water swim. Like everyone's kind of got their zombie arms and that's all you see. Um, and it's a little bit chaotic, uh, (laughs) which I was not really prepared for, which is also why I backstroked probably 40% of it, which I have no idea how to backstroke, but I learned in that water. (laughs) Um, So it was, it was very chaotic. Um, and it was also two laps, which I remember standing at the bank before looking at the buoys and was like, wow, these are way further out than I could have ever imagined. And then the race director's like, you will be doing two laps. And I was just like, I don't know if I can do that, but I guess I'll try. (laughs) Wow. This is so, I feel like you were in flight or fight mode, right? You, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to do, I'm not doing freestyle. So I'm going to teach myself how to survive and do backstroke. I figure it's better to move forward than to like sit there. So that was kind of the first thing that came to my mind. Wow. I I'm, I'm, I'm highly impressed and, and, and I'm not just impressed. I'm just thinking about like your thought process, like how you have navigated through all of this. And I'm trying to imagine other beginners in this space, teaching themselves and having that confidence to keep going or being in open water, open water setting and not freaking out. Like, it just seems like it's like, okay, I'm not going to freak out. I'm just going to figure it out and turn on my back and, you know, stroke. Impressive. I figured if my face was out of the water and I could breathe, I I will make it to the end at some point in time. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely crazy. And even getting out after the second lap, I, I remember getting out into the sand and everyone's just walking and I'm kind of looking around and like walking with everyone. And then I was like, wait, I think this is a race. I think we're supposed to be running here. <laughs> so like start jogging up this like big hill because every, every new course, of course has like a massive hill to get to the first transition. But I, I realized I was like, okay, I think I'm supposed to run. <laughs> so I started running up the hill to get to the next transition, but yeah, I guess for the new people out there, it's like, don't forget transitions count as your time. So <laughs> if you can run it, you might as well keep jogging. So let's talk about that. Trans your first transition. Did you know about transitions coming into the race? Not, I mean, it's actually hard to find content on what it, how to set up a transition um, besides how the professionals do it. Um, and even with the ITU kind of, rubber banding your, your shoes to your bike and like running with it. And, you know, the kind of all the crazy things that are out there. So I initially thought that that's what it was going to be like, but realized really quickly that I did not have to be an expert on my first <laughs> day out. Um, so it was definitely kind of just looking around at the people next to me and seeing what they were doing mm -hmm. um, and kind of picking up on their ideas. And I think for my first, I don't know, four or five triathlons, I probably set my uh, transitions up differently for each one. Mm. Uh, so just kind of learning what worked and what didn't work um, was kind of a learning process. So. Now, at any given time, were you, did you find out about yourself in this way that you need to have everything like you are transition order where you just bring everything out, uh, kitchen sink, like you need to bring everything or you're a minimalist or it was like more of a Goldilocks. I just have just enough that I need. Like, did you find out that about yourself early on? Yeah, I think um, that's actually probably a lot of what I learned. I think that I, I mean, if anything, it was probably mostly or nutrition. I think mm -hmm. that I wasn't sure how much nutrition I needed. Um, and I think it also varies if you're doing a race in October versus July in Georgia. So I think picking up on those things and also having the conscious awareness that you will need different things at different um, humidities, temperatures, races. So I think even how long I was going to be out there, if it's an easier course, you're going to be out there shorter. So maybe I don't need the extra goo, but if it's an extremely hilly course for both the bike and the run, it may be an extra, you know, 40 minutes to an hour. So I think just picking up on those different variations were, were critical for setting up my transitions, but Besides that, I think it was whether or not to have socks <laughs> were probably the only thing that would come in and out. Um, okay. But yeah, I think the biggest thing that changed was where I would set things out on my like towel. Mm. Okay. So we make it to transition. You figuring it out along the way about what type of transition person you are um, adding or removing things as the races go. But at your first race, after you get on your bike, you go out for the ride. What was your first race like since you had not done the distance before? Yeah, so I 
was on a road bike with no aero bars. Uh, so that was one thing that was very different to everyone around me. I learned what a TT bike was uh, and what aero bars were. Um, so that was something. And pretty early on the race, there was a pretty steep hill. And I actually remember watching someone fall <laughs> as they were going up the hill. And I mean, this was in the first three miles of the race. I mean, this is super early on. And I was just like, oh no, <laughs> what have I got myself into? Uh, so wow. that was, that was my very first experience going into it. I also did not have power pedals, power meter. Uh, so I was kind of going blind on my power, which I had no idea really what an FTP was at that point. So I don't know mm -hmm. if it really would have helped me to have the numbers. Um, now, yes, I, I could never do a race without it, but I probably was blowing my legs out on every hill and doing almost nothing on every downhill for the whole race. <laughs> That's quite normal. So <laughs> that, that was <laughs> that was definitely my experience. And it was a hilly course. It was very hilly, which had its, you know, it was great going or going down a hill, not having to pedal. And I was kind of like, oh, biking's not so bad. You just you just make it to the top of the hill and then just kind of coast down it. <laughs> I love it. All right. You said you blew your legs out on the bike because you were powering it up and probably just really, uh, just what is it, uh, you know, pressing down on those gears versus uh, having a high cadence, right? So your legs are shot. Was this your first ever brick run into bike into run that you had done race day? I had, I had run off the bike before. Um, I'm not really sure how many times or if I had done any type of speed off of the bike. Uh, but I would definitely try to get in and even just do 15 minutes just to kind of learn what it felt like to go from bike to run transition. Okay. Um, and actually I had a PR in my 10 K at that race. I think I ran a 37 45, which at the time was, I think, almost two minutes faster than my previous best 10K. Look at so it. I <laughs> surprised myself on it. I I was like, wow, I'm in better shape than I thought I was. I love so it. Way to it win was, the day. I had a, a happy ending, which somehow I find a way to to have pretty good runs off the bike. I, I don't know how. Um, every time I feel like I've completely destroyed my legs, they somehow come around on the run. So I guess I'm pretty lucky for that. I'm here for it. I am so here for it. So run, you PR and you're like, man, this is made up for everything. I like this. I want to do it again. So you proceed to do a couple of other races. Tell me about your progression from your first race to Daytona 2022. Yeah. So I, after my first race, I had a pretty large gap. I think I went from October to April of the next uh, mm -hmm. year, uh, mostly because of school. I just couldn't find the time to get away. Uh, race weekends obviously take up a lot of time. Um, so I wasn't able to get away until I think it was the end of April and I actually did St. Anthony's in okay. St. Pete's, Florida. And so that was my first time ever swimming in saltwater 
uh, as well as waves. And I a hundred percent questioned why I did triathlon in that race. I many times gave up and was like, all right, just take me in waves. Like completely gave up on it. Um, I, I remember the swells at the very end and like the people reaching their hands out. And I was just like holding my hands up, like, please just help me get out. So that race was a hundred. I just completely questioned why I was doing triathlon, but, um, had already signed up for my first 70.3 at that point. So I think I couldn't back out of it. Uh, so then I did my first 70.3 in June of that year. Went great. I actually qualified for worlds. Um, and was very happy about that and found a way to get the time off at school the next year to go to worlds. So signed up immediately for that. And kind of just leading up to that, I knew I needed as much experience that I could have so that maybe I would stop feeling like drowning every time I would get into an open water swim. Mm -hmm. So I raced, I would say about maybe four other races that were probably within two hours where I live just to kind of get out there, keep racing, get more experience that I could get. Um, and even those, I, it's hard for me to even remember them all. Cause I did them so back to back. Um, I think I was doing them every three weekends and then kind of took a little bit of a gap leading up to worlds to to really focus on training um and then competed at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in October of this is now 2022 wow. so so you qualify for for worlds in June of 2022 you compete in worlds in October of 2022 and then in December, you race with Clash Daytona. Yes. Now, did you have any expectations going into this race? Because you had started to see like a progression of, okay, I'm doing pretty good. Did you go down to Clash saying, hey, I want to qualify for my pro card? Or you were just out there doing your best, doing what Kaylee does best? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely... I knew I wanted to one day be a pro. I, I kind of set that expectation of, I really want to work to this. This is something I, a goal of mine. So when I went to worlds, I had some really awesome training leading up to it. And then right before my fiance actually got sick, he had a cold, which kind of, I never had a cold, but I just never felt that great. Um, and then going into the race, I just, my heart rate was getting higher than it needed to be in my workout. So I kind of knew I probably wasn't a hundred percent. So I was a little disappointed because I had felt like I really worked hard for this and then just didn't have the performance that I felt capable of having. So I think after that, it kind of just left me hungry to do better. Uh, and so that was actually when I did sign up for Clash Daytona because I saw it was at the beginning of December and thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to take the season off. I'm not ready. I, I need one more performance because I think I can do better than what, what this was. So that was when I, I signed up and actually stepped back a little in my training. I think that I was a little bit overtrained um, and then was able to kind of just absorb it for a few weeks before 
uh, Daytona and going into it, I was like, obviously I had the mindset that I, I would like to win. I think that, you know, it's always better to go in with that mentality because you're probably going to work a little bit harder. So I looked at last year's times and was kind of like, okay, I can, I can do this. I, I think I could have a chance of winning this. Um, and then race day, I was feeling great, was feeling very confident, but then as soon as I got into the water, I just had a huge panic attack. Like mm. it was, it was terrible. I, I stopped, I was just doggy paddling for a little bit. I actually got out of the line of everybody. Cause I just felt just a little bit too much. So I, I swam to the edge a little bit to just take a second. Um, I considered going to the edge of the water and getting out, but I was kind of like, well, I paid for this and I'm only 10 minutes in. <laughs> so I got myself together and kept going. And at that point I thought there was no way I could win. I was like, you know, this, this was a huge setback kind of just a little discouraged, but I somehow convinced myself like this is a long race at the end of the day. If you have a really good bike and a really good run, you'll still be proud of yourself. So I, I try to just look at myself and think if I give up on everything, I, I will be disappointed at the end of the day. But if I at least do well on two out of the three that I think I could walk away with my held, head held high and be proud for my performance so I got on the bike and was holding really great numbers. I think it was one of my best bikes I had um, and was kind of, there was like a big group of people that was kind of just like working uh, together and it just, it felt like a fun race. So I was really into it, um, but I actually ended up getting a penalty. Uh, the first ever penalty I got, hopefully the last, I, I really hope, <laughs> Um, it ended up being from, uh, slotting in too early. Uh, so I had moved in front of somebody before I think I was past them enough. Uh, so I got the penalty and was again, a little discouraged because five minutes is kind of a long time in a 70.3 distance. So luckily the, the penalty tent was, I mean, 30 meters from the finish line. So I got to the penalty tent and just stood there and kind of talked to the people and was like, you know, I'm going to go run my best ever half marathon after this. Like, I'm going to do it. So I kind of just, again, kept my head held high and was like, all right, let's, let's go get happy about a PR in the half marathon. So I didn't even clip or put my feet back in. I just kind of like pushed off to get to the edge of the the line um, for the last transition. Uh, went smoothly, got my shoes on and got into the run and was holding like 550s pretty steadily and felt really great. It was, it was hot, but it felt good overall and ended up running a 119 and squeaked under the 120 mark. So again, another PR. So I was, I was really happy. And honestly, I had no idea that I had won the race until they told me at the the very end. So it was a journey. <laughs> wow. But it was a journey of perseverance. It was a journey of not giving up on yourself. It was a journey of that positive self-talk. What I, I think the correlation is 
for me and what I'm hearing in your story is the reason why you got into triathlon was to help give yourself a mental escape from medical school and veterinarian school to be specifically. But yet that's what you've used each time in races, that mental like fortitude, that mental, uh, I think it's your mental stamina that's kept you in the game. Yeah, I think uh, mental stamina is actually a huge part of triathlon that I think people don't always think about, uh, especially, you know, I guess you think of it as a, a three sport thing, but mentally being able to do it is also a huge part and just compartmentalizing each three and just reminding yourself that there's always the next one. Um, and then when you cross the finish line, if you have the worst swim of your life, but PR in your run, you can walk away like very proud of yourself. Um, And it's not always easy to think that way when you're in the middle of that swim, feeling terrible and not being able to keep going. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a very important piece of the, of the puzzle that it's also, it's worth working on and training too. Mm, I like that. I, 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 I like the way you process things and so early on, and I'm just excited to see how this grows and develops. You know, like you say that you don't want to just finish an Ironman, you want to compete. So let me ask you this, because I don't, my ignorance could be, you know, just what it is, just not knowing. You've qualified for your pro card. Does that mean that you can race professionally at the 70.3 level and the full distance level or at any if you wanted to go back and forth ITU or does that mean you just are at one distance yeah so when you get your pro card it's actually from your national uh certification so different nations will have different requirements for what they consider their um elite status so for me, I that means I have the USAT um, elite membership. And so with that, I can apply to races as a professional. So that's pretty much any distance. I think the ITU world is a whole nother thing. I, I'm not really sure how that would work out. I think that if I were to ever do a shorter distance that I still would have to race as an elite, even if I am not necessarily to their standard. Um, But yeah, so it's actually an elite membership through USAT. Okay. And so you said you have to apply to race. So that doesn't mean you can just show up at whatever races you want to race. Um, at least so far. So like for Clash Miami, they had like a, um, basically kind of showing proof of your membership. So you, you would just like apply to then get a code to, uh, sign up for races. So you typically do have some sort of verification. I think with Ironman, I have not raced an Ironman, uh, 70.3 yet with, as a pro and with them, I think you have individual applet like you can race as a pro at just an event, or you can buy like a year membership as your pro. Um, so with that one, you kind of have a, a one price and then you have unlimited, you can just race whatever you want. Whereas the other one is just like a one price per race that you sign up for. Interesting. 
See, this is why it's so good to like talk to you while you're fresh. You're giving us all this good information in case there's somebody else out there who's like, hey, I'm really good at this. I may want to go pro too. Like, what is my, you know, what do I need to do? And so I think this is really good and good, helpful information. All yeah. Right. And USAT has a, a really good breakdown at mm-hmm. all the different ways that you can qualify as a pro. Um, so they have so many of them and I have read through it many times to try to figure it out. So, and even then I, it's, it's pretty complicated. So, but they're also really great. And if you ever have questions, they, they were always like very quick to respond to my emails. So I love it. First pro race was just a few weeks ago down in Miami, the 305, the dirty, dirty, as they say. And you had the fastest. You finished in 11th place. Yes. And you had the fastest run split. So at least you know you're going to track folks down. What was that race? How did that race compare to Daytona a couple of months prior? Um, so it was it was with the same uh, group. It's the Clash Endurance group, which highly recommend them. I think that they have some of the best races out there. They're so much fun. They do a great job with all the athletes. So I don't think I could have picked a better first pro race. Um, they even separate the professionals to Friday. So we kind of have our own day to kind of not feel too overwhelmed or stressed by uh, a lot of other people being there, which I think allowed me to really just focus on the race itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely, it was kind of just getting the rust off a little bit. Cause it had been a while since I've raced. I think that it wasn't as hard going back into racing season as it was the year before, mm-hmm. but I think I was a little out of shape than probably where I was at Daytona, but I think that's perfectly normal at this time of the season. And I think it was just a great race to kind of, again, get the rust off and just get back out there. So. Okay. And it wasn't too shabby that you brought home the fastest run split. Yeah. I was very surprised about that. I, it, I knew it was going to be really hot there. So I had uh, tried the sauna sessions beforehand uh, mm-hmm. the week going into it. And I think as much as I did not believe it worked, I think it did help me a lot uh, on race day because Georgia's hot, but it's not Miami hot, especially not at this time of year. So I think it really helped me to have better body temperature control going into that race. Um, And then that was also just another race of staying in it because coming out of the water, I think I was over two minutes behind in last place and (laughs) I knew I was like, all right, I'm getting the slow clap as I, I go take my bike off. Um, <laughs> uh, but again, I just, I told myself it's a really long race and got into it for the bike. And as soon as I got my, my legs under me for the run, I, I felt good. So it was kind of fun. It was a big giant circle and a racetrack. So even though I was catching up from, I wasn't last off the bike, but I was, I was down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was still just fun to have other people to kind of chase down as I was running. Um, so it, it, it made for a fun event. So yeah, I was, I was definitely happy to have the fastest run, which it, it kind of gives me a little bit of uh, confidence going forward. And 
maybe one day people will be like, all right, you have to watch out for her. She's, she's got a good run. <laughs> I love it. You, you like to chase folks down, picking them off one by one. I'm here for it. <laughs> one day I want to be good at the other two. So I just got to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have a coach now that you've been working with virtually. Um, now that you've had a year under your belt and you've gone from age grouper to professional, what advice would you give to beginners? Yeah, I think staying consistent um, is probably the biggest piece of advice that I can give, uh, whether that is just convincing yourself to get out um, every day. I, I, I mean, I typically train seven days a week. I know I had to build to that. And I think that building yourself up to getting out there, even if it's just for a 30 minute run, um, you know, a 45 minute spin on the trainer, just staying consistent and slowly building. I think you'll see progress. Uh, just knowing though, that it's not going to be all at once. I think that sometimes if you think you're going to, you put so much work in and you want to see the return. And sometimes that's just, sometimes it's not going to come that quickly. And I think that um, staying consistent, getting out there, building yourself up to where, I mean, I do weeks now that I could just have never imagined doing when I first started. And I think that that's, that's how triathlon goes. Like if you keep building one day, you'll, actually look at your week and be like, wow, wow, that was impressive. Like I, I, I've really built myself to there. So I think that would probably be my biggest piece of advice as well as finding people in your community. Uh, even if they're not doing triathlon, like runners, swimmers, cyclists, just finding groups to kind of get involved with can also help with that consistency. Cause if you learn to find enjoyment and find friends in the sp or in either triathlon or different sports, it can really help make it more fun um, as well as sustainable. Um, so, but all of this, you know, just, it really leads back to staying consistent and, you know, injury free. And um, yeah, I, I would say that's probably my biggest piece of advice. I love that, especially at the end, it's like find the joy. And you kind of mentioned that when you were talking about your run story at the beginning, how you were a runner, you kind of fell out of love with it. And then you were like, okay, let me pick this back up again. You got involved in weight training. So you picked it up again during the pandemic. And so it looks like, you know, finding your joy is what helps keep you sustained. You know, even today it's like finding that joy, finding what makes you happy while you're out here training. So kudos to you for, for that. Well, Kaylee, we've come to a part of where we get to ask rapid fire questions real quick, fun. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for coming on. And I'm looking forward to just watching your journey and seeing how you grow. I mean, I'm just like wild at where you are in just a year's time. So just imagine two years and you seem to be balancing it well with medical school. So kudos yeah. to you. How yeah, are you balancing that, by the way? Because I'm like, <laughs> we need to know. I so I've recent so I just had a two hour exam this morning, um, and I realized like sometimes I, I take a step back and I'm like, why am I so stressed? 
And I just realized today that the past three weeks since Miami, pretty much, I've had an exam every three to four days. And I was like, this is why I feel so stressed out. (laughs) But I, I have one more Thursday and then I one more next Monday. And then I think I finally have a week of no exams. So, you know, I'm looking to that. That's that's kind of what's keeping me moving forward. <laughs> so does the stress of school affect your training at all? As much as I would like to think it it doesn't, I think it it does sometimes. I think um, like this weekend, I, I had a four and a half hour brick on Saturday. And then yesterday I had a two hour run. And then today I had a two hour swim. And so I was like all of this compounding time. And then I had to get up early to make sure I was ready for my exam, getting the last minute in. And then as soon as it was all over, I just wanted to go to sleep. I was like, I I just need sleep right now. And I, I think that it's probably a little bit of the stress and just like the, the training coming in, but I will for the next few days probably get nine hours of sleep as much as I can. <laughs> okay. I'm here for that because I was going to ask you, you said you work out seven days a week. So what does your recovery look like? Like, how do you recover? Um, I I would say I focus on my sleep mm-hmm. uh, because okay. during the day, I I don't have a lot of control of my time. I have to be up pretty early for school and classes as well as just getting in all of my studying. Um, And I'm currently at around 22 hour weeks of training. So kind of fitting them all together, the day is just, it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, I typically like right now, this is, I usually get into bed around 830. So um, I think prioritizing my sleep and making sure I get to bed on at a good time has really keeps me going. Well, let's, let's, let's wrap this up. Cause you know, today we are taping a little bit later. We picked a late time to tape. And so I, I understand that, uh, getting in bed is important. And so we're going to get you in the bed very soon. <laughs> um, rapid fire questions. Uh, when you're working out on your trainer, do you listen to music or do you watch movies or TV shows? I actually watch my lectures for school. So not, not as fun as any of the other options, but if I can rewatch a lecture, I I typically choose to do that. Come on, maximizing that time. I love it. Um, what's your favorite thing overall about triathlon? Um, probably training. I know that's crazy. And a lot of people much prefer to race, but I love the training. Okay. When you don't feel motivated, to work out and you have a big school day ahead of you, what motivates you to get that workout done? So my coach in college told me, if you ever don't feel like going out and running, just tell yourself, like, go for 30 minutes. Like, you don't have to do the two and a half hour workout, but just do 30 minutes. Something's better than nothing. And you often find if you go out there to do that 30 minutes, you'll, you'll end up doing the full thing. So I think convincing myself to do 30 minutes and, and if I still at 30 minutes, I'm like, I can't do this. I I call it a day. In your short time of racing, 
Have you seen any signs that stood out to you that you remember of people holding up signs? Oh, I actually do not see the signs. I I think like I blur everything out. So yeah, I can't think of any. So you zone in. Oh yeah. You have a tunnel vision. Oh, okay. Very tunnel visioned. I love it. And this is a question that I ask. Do you pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break? I've never peed on the bike. So whether that was going or for stops break, um, I've never, or in a race or just like yeah, in training. A in a oh, in a race? Never, never. Okay. Has, haven't done an Ironman though. So that's true. But you know, maybe sometimes like in the half distance, you might, depending on your hydration, depending on, I don't That's know. That's true. Maybe I'm just but... too dehydrated. No, or I'm just scared fine. to do it on the bike. <laughs> so. so what about peeing your wetsuit? Uh, Probably every time. I love it. Okay. So we're going to have to adjust this. We're like peeing the wetsuit or on the bike. Kaylee Slade, thank you so much. Congratulations on your first professional race uh, back in March uh, at Clash Miami. And congratulations on just your first full year. Like this is going into your second year. But you're done, you've done so much and accomplished so much. You should totally be proud. And I know when you do finish um, medical school, I just I just see full throttle, you know, going straight ahead. So I'm excited to see what that looks like for you as we continue to see your names and we'll continue to see your name and read about you as you continue your journey. With that said, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. I'm Ashonda and we're out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.